chapter fifty six of the maid of scar this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the maid of scar by r d blackmore chapter fifty six exiles of society a finer sight was never seen than we had now around us for all the convoy was come together as well as the british fleet empowered to protect them i stood in our foretop and counted one hundred and fifty-two large sail nearly fifty of which were men of war and all the rest goodly merchantmen a sight like this not only strengthens a briton's faith in providence but puts him into a quiet pride concerning his king and country we had scarcely swung to our moorings ere we had signal from the admiral not a man to be allowed ashore water and victual all night and be ready to weigh again at daybreak of course we did so though a hard thing upon us and new hands desired to grumble until captain bampfylde rigged the gratings heaviside now was known to have such a swing of arm with a flick to it never being satisfied with his mate's administration that never a man of patriotic sentiments encroached on him we all determined to sail once more and let the french see what our nature was although they might hope to find it spoiled by our being away from home so much especially when we heard that they had three hundred and fifty sail or more of merchantmen coming home all very rich and fattened up for capture what we wanted therefore was to see our own good traders free from any chance of piracy and at the same time to stop those french from wicked importations if in both points we might succeed and give battle afterwards our gratitude to the lord would almost equal our own glory and we heard that the mob in paris would starve failing of all this american fleet on the second of may the wind fetched back to its proper place at that time of year north-north-east with snow-clouds always ready to endorse it and thus we slipped from our moorings and went quietly down channel concerning the rest we have no cause to plead for man's indulgence the lord continued to baffle us and would not give us any help to close quarters with the enemy we fought three days of rolling battle ending on the first of june after two days of fog interrupting and not a breath of sleep four nights every one says that we fought very well having everything so much against us and the french fleet far superior carrying also a representative of the human race large and fat and fluent of the name of john bone andrews who wrote a noble account of this action although before it began his feelings led him to seek security in a hole far below the water-line but one of the strangest things ever seen and thoroughly worth considering was the behaviour of our two savages under heavy fire two i say although we had three because cannibal jack behaved most steadily and like a thorough christian but the two others most strongly proved their want of civilization and gross ignorance of war inasmuch 
as no sooner did they see the opening of bloodshed round them than mad they became as mad i assure you as any march hares the brace of them in the thick of our combat with the towerful up and down the deck these fellows danced in the most conspicuous places as if inviting every shot and cracking their knuckles and jabbering i was for lashing them to the mainmast but captain bamfylde would not allow it he said that their spirited conduct might encourage and cheer the rest of us and indeed it was strange to see how the shot flew around without striking them now these poor fellows showed so much attachment and strong confidence towards me that when we cast anchor in plymouth sound being detached for refitment there together with eight other ships of the line i took it entirely upon myself to see them safe home and to answer for them our ship had been knocked about so much that she needed a thorough good overhauling and many of us had a month's leave of absence while carpenters caulkers and riggers were working and these three savages outwent all of us in longing to see their homes again so it struck me that i might both satisfy them and also gratify myself a little by taking them under my escort as far as their native mud-holes and then for a week perhaps enjoying good young polly's society captain bampfylde not only agreed to this but said that he should not care tuppence if he never saw two of their number again he meant of course dick and joe whose habits of larceny never could be thrashed out whereas cannibal jack was now become as honest a hand as myself almost and a valuable foretopman having pledged my word to bring this one back safe and the others as well if they chose to come i set forth the foot for a cruise across devon than which in the summer with plenty of money what can be more delightful i would gladly have taken young harry savage now a fine lad of fifteen years so far as one might guess it but jack declared that he must not come for some reason not to be told to me now it was the flush of summer very nearly twelve years from the time i first began with sunny hedges spread their overlap of roses over us while the glad leaves danced in time with light and shade to foster them every bank of every lane was held at home with flowers nourished by some flitting rill that made a tinkle for them and through every gate almost whenever there was a man to look the spread of feathered grasses ran like water with the wind on it even a sailor may see such things and his heart rejoice and be glad in them and his perilous life for a while have rest without any thought of anything be that so neither dick nor joe ever made glance at anything except the hen-roosts near the road or the haunt of a young rabbit in the hedge or the nesting of a partridge i kept the poor fellows from doing harm by precept and example too yet we had a roast fowl every night except when it was a boiled one and finding myself in my sixty-fourth year what could i do but put up with it it must be threescore miles i think even according to the shortest cut from plymouth to nympton on the moors and we wandered out of the way of course especially after guinea-fowls which are most deluding creatures but roast even better than their eggs boil also we got into cherry orchards of a very noble breed so that we spent a whole day and two nights without any power to say farewell and though the farmer's wife put up both hands to us at the window she sent out the maid to say that we need not be frightened if we were real sailors 
after giving this girl a kiss to let her know what our profession was i sent in word that here was the master of his majesty's ship defence which had defended the british empire in the late great victory that night they made all of us drunk except me upon these sweet little incidents i must venture to dwell no longer while having so much of my yarn in the slack and none but myself to tauten it enough that we came in about ten days to the genuine naked colony without any meaning of surprise but now as great ambassadors and the least that we all expected was a true outburst of wild welcoming cannibal jack had announced his intention to convert his relatives while dick and joe only shook their heads and seemed to doubt the advantage of it but we need not have thought of the matter twice for strange to say not one of the savages would for a moment acknowledge us all the barbarous tribe stood aloof and scowled at their old members with utter abhorrence and contempt as if at some vast degeneracy even jack's wife or the woman who might in humanity have been called so stood moping and mowing at him afar as if his clothes made a sheep of him while he with amazement regarded her as if she were only a chimpanzee whereupon all of them set up a yell and rushed with such pelting of mud at us that we thought ourselves lucky to make our escape without any further mischief after hauling out of action in this most inglorious manner we brought up to refit and revictual at the nearest public-house a lonely hut where four roads met and the sign hung from an ancient gibbet here we were treated very kindly and for very little money so that i was quite astonished after all our feeding and i happened to say to the landlady that i was surprised to find honesty within a league of parson chowne oh sir do you know that dreadful man she answered with her apron up or would you like to see him sir madam said i with that bow of mine which takes the women captive i should like to see him wonderfully only without his seeing me of course of course all people say that because of the evil eye he hath this house doth belong to him he be coming for the rent again at two o'clock and he never faileth every farthing will be ready now through your honour's generosity and if so be you steps in here when you hear me give three knuckles at the door you may see him and welcome for nothing only you must not speak for ever so the landlady showed me a little cellar opening from our sitting-room and having a narrow half-boarded hatchway bearing upon her sanded parlour where she designed to receive the parson and then she was half afraid lest i might make a noise and so betray her but almost before i had time to assure her of my perfect secrecy the dash of horses hoofs was heard and the sound of a man's voice shouting well done said i to myself good parson years have not decreased thee his strong step rang on the lime-ash floor and his silver spurs made a jingle and lo there he stood in the sanded parlour as noble a chown as ever there was not the sign of a spot of weakness or relenting about him on his shaven face no bloom of greyness nor in his coal-black hair one streak as vigorous springy and strenuous seemed he as when he leaped on board and thrashed me nearly twelve years agone as i do believe woman where is my money he cried with the old pale frown overcoming him twice i have given you time you know what i always do thereafter yes sir i know what your reverence doth your reverence never calleth law but taketh horsewhip to the mans of us 
your memory is correct he answered my usual course is to that effect i have brought my heaviest whip this time for your husband has shown arrogance can you show cause why he should not have it yes your reverence here it is and god knows how we have scraped for it with the glow of triumph which a man's face hardly ever shows but a woman's cannot be denied of she spread before him all his rent upon an ancient tray and every piece of it was copper thirty-six shillings she had to pay and twenty-four times thirty-six was there for his reverence to count the hostess looked at him with a chuckle brewing now upon her apron-strings and ready to rise to her ample breast and thence to her mouth if expedient but she mistook her customer woman said chowne in his deep low voice which had no anger in it i am tired of signing warrants warrants your worship for what if you please warrants for thieves who are foisting sham irish halfpennies on the public i see no less than seven of them in this sterling stuff of yours three months at the treadmill now for yourself and your husband say no more you have tried a trick tiverton jail for you both to-morrow and there if you wanted either of them you must go to find them only two days afterwards according to what i was told of it no welsh gentleman would have dreamed of behaving to his tenants thus for trying a little joke with him but chowne had no sense of any joke unless himself began it our three cannibals had been trembling at the sound of the parson's voice believing that he would drive them back and feeling that they had no power to withstand his orders but luckily we had made such a smoke all our savages having taken to the use of tobacco gloriously that when the parson put his head in as he must do everywhere he drew it back in double quick time for he hated the weed as old nick does and then after calling his groom as a witness to the irish coinage he made him tie the whole of the rent money in his pocket-handkerchief and off he set at a good round gallop to make out the warrant you may depend upon it that we four were very soon off as well and in the opposite direction after subscribing a guinea among us to comfort the poor woman who was sobbing her heart out at her mistake and at the prospect as seemed to me of being confined in more senses than one within the walls of a prison for some time i found myself much at a loss about harbouring my convoy for though i could trust jack wildman as i now began to call him anywhere and with anything this was not the case with the other two who could never be kept from picking up small things that took their fancy we were shaping a course for narnton court where i intended to sling my own hammock and jack's as well if agreeable but i durst not offer to introduce dick and joe for the cause aforesaid moreover they had not yet acquired the manners of good society which were no little insisted upon in sir philip bampfylde's kitchen therefore i thought myself very clever when a settlement of this question suddenly occurred to me this was no less than to settle them both under my old ferry-boat if still to be found as two years back shored up and turned into a residence their rations might be sent down to them and what happier home could they wish for with the finest air in the world around them as well as beautiful scenery and if it should happen to leak a little as seems only natural what a blessed reflection for a man of due sentiments towards the lord that this water is dropping from heaven upon him instead of rushing up to swallow him into that outrageous sea accordingly so we contrived this affair mr jack wildman was introduced under my skilful naval tactics into the most accomplished circle on the quarter-deck of our head cook and he looked so very gently wild and blushed in his clothes so beautifully that there was not a maiden all over the place but longed to glance unbeknown at him so that it seemed a most lucky thing that polly was down with the smallpox at a place called mudderford 
wherein she had an uncle meanwhile cannibals dick and joe lived in the boat as happily as if they had been born in it and devoted their time to the slaying and cooking of sir philip's hares and rabbits it was in vain that the gamekeepers did their best to catch them dick and joe could catch hares as they boasted to me almost under the watcher's noses so noble was the result of uniting civilized cunning with savage ingenuity i can well believe that no other man either of my rank or age would have ventured on the step which now i did resolve upon this was no less than to pay a visit to my poor little polly and risk all probabilities of being disfigured by smallpox for several times it had crossed my mind that although she was among relatives they were not like a father or mother to her and perhaps she might be but poorly tended and even in need of money perhaps for her very own aunt our mrs cock hanterbury would not go nigh her and almost shuddered when her name was mentioned now it seemed to be only fair and honest to let sir philip know my intention so that he might if he should see fit forbid me to return to his mansion bringing the risk of infection but the general only shook his head and smiled at that idea if it be the will of god we shall have it of course he said and people run into it all the more by being over timorous and i have often thought it sinful to mistrust the lord so however you had better keep smoking a pipe and not stay more than five minutes and perhaps you might just as well change your clothes before you come back and sink the others to air for a week in the river i was grieved to see him so entirely place his faith in providence for that kind of feeling when thus overdone ends in what we call fatalism such as the very turks have so that i was pleased when he called me back and said take a swim yourself llewellyn i hear that you can swim five miles don't attempt that but swim too if you like swim back to us from barnstaple bridge and i will have a boat to meet you with a wholesome wardrobe thus was the whole of it arranged and carried out most cleverly i took poor polly a bunch of grapes from one of the narnton vineries as well as a number of nice little things such as only a sailor can think of and truly i went not a day too soon for i found her in that weak condition after the fury of the plague is past when every bit of strengthening stuff that can be thought of or fancied by the feeble one may turn the scale and one cheering glance or one smiling word is as good as a beam of the morning then after a long walk i made my swim and a change of clothes exactly as the general had commanded me in a fortnight afterwards where was i why under the boat in a burning madness without a soul to come nigh me except jack wildman and sir philip these two with the most noble courage visited me through my sad attack of smallpox as i was told thereafter although at the time i knew no one and at a distance around the boat a ring of brushwood was kept burning day and night to clear the air and warn the unwary from entering everybody gave me up for a living christian any more and my coffin was ordered at a handsome figure as a death upon narnton premises i am made also like that of the greatest man that i ever did meet with not only this but two nonconformist preachers found out as they always do that in a weak period of my life when dissatisfied with my pension i had been washed away by my poor wife into the scuppers of dissent therefore they prepared two sermons on this judgment of the lord and called me a scapegoat while goodness knows what care they took never to lay hands on me End of chapter fifty six